Hi friends, welcome to the Mobile Bev Pros podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing mobile bar professionals with the information they need to succeed. I'm your host and fellow mobile bar owner, Sarah Murphy. Each episode, I'll be bringing you interviews, knowledge, anecdotes, or opinions with the goal of assisting you in building a profitable, sustainable, and scalable mobile bar business that will support the lifestyle you dream of. I'm excited for today's episode, so let's get started. Today on the podcast, I'm here with Amanda Allison. She's the owner of Hawthorne Hills and also part of the duo from Behind the Party. And I am so excited to talk to you today, Allison, because venues are a very big part of the mobile bar world. We literally can't do our job without them. And we get a lot of questions about them. And who better to ask than someone who literally owns a venue? So welcome to the show. Thank you. I am so excited. I agree with you. I'm actually on the opposite end where I feel like as venues, there's so much we can learn and get to know more about the mobile bar business that could really benefit our clients. So I think this is going to be fantastic and mutually educational, I hope, for both sides of our event industry. Yeah. So actually, just before I clicked on, we were talking about liquor laws. You had listened to the podcast episode we did about liquor laws and mobile bars. It is the number one question we get, specifically with aspiring mobile bar owners who are just getting started, because there's a lot of confusion around liquor laws. There's even a lot of confusion between caterers and mobile bartenders, because caterers are often like, how are you doing what you're doing? And there's this very clear delineation between the sale of alcohol and the sale of services. And so most mobile bar owners just sell their services and non-alcoholic beverages, and they don't sell alcohol. And in my experience, not only do mobile bars get this a little bit mixed up in their understanding, but so do venues. And we were just talking about the vast array of kind of policies and understanding of actual liquor laws. And you're down in Texas and you were just sharing that the closer you are to the city, the more buttoned up it is. But then the further from the city that you tend to get, people loosen the reins a little bit. Where did you learn about the liquor laws? I have a little bit of a different background. I guess my first experience was when I started in events in 2009 in college and I was event staff, worked with the caterer directly. I grew into a bartending position from there. And so at first I had this very narrow scope and vision. Of course, I was in college, so I also wasn't interested in the laws. I was like, tell me what to do. I can do it. It's going to be fun. But in that is where I got my first experience with These are the rules. They're set in stone. Here we go. And in that situation, everything came through the venue, which was a university and the caterers. And so there was no outside bartending allowed period. And that was that. And then as I grew to love events more and branched out, I quickly learned that's not the case everywhere. And every venue is a little bit different. So I started with this like in the box, black and white, nope, it's either built in or you don't have it to learning much more, especially as I went on to like graduate school and businesses and things along those lines. I am one of the many people who thought there was only one option for years. And then I learned there's actually many more. And personally, I think there's benefits to both. But as a small business owner, I'm a huge advocate for other small businesses. And that's harder to do when you are stuck in a corporate environment where you use what they have. And usually they make a lot of money off of it and they don't allow you to bring in 
those other small businesses. So I'm lucky to have landed in a position where we do get to work with and support other small businesses every week, which is fantastic. But it was a lot of research and learning curve and talking to other people in the industry. I know you've had Don with HD Liquid Catering on before. He is one of our favorite people. Him and Heather are fantastic. And when we first started going down this route in golly, 2014 or 15 with the venue is when I first met him. And he was a big educator and walked us through all the different situations. And I remember right when the venue opened its doors in 2016 for our first wedding, because we built from ground up, he was like, just know as you change your rules, that's okay. Cause you're going to figure out what you like and you don't like and what works and doesn't work. And just having someone who does specialize, especially in our area and knows things inside and out and could be a resource to send us over different licensing and rules was fantastic. And that's really where my education on that side came from. My manager, Jenna, she's my co-host on Behind the Party. She actually has a bar management experience with the wedding venue. So she, when she joined our team a couple of years ago, she was already up on the know-how and was like, did you know that here you go? <laughs> so she's constantly giving our team tips and updates and reminders and just those questions that most venues don't know because they don't have any reason to research it to begin with. So it's a lot. And you mentioned in your licensing and legality episode, how reading tax code is not fun. And it's not easy to understand. And I laughed when you said that because it's a thousand percent true. And I like that you mentioned a lot of people look for loopholes in it. And that's not the case. There are no loopholes. And I'm the same way. If it's not clearly allowed in there, it's not allowed. And you're setting yourself up for issues if you try to create your own loophole. And I think that, at least in our area for venues, when they're a little bit looser on the rules than they should be, is where they're setting themselves up for hardships down the road or really big potential issues, so to speak. Yeah, that actually leads in really nicely with the next question that I was going to ask you. First, I want to say that Don is a wealth of knowledge and information, and he's just so generous with it. So we're huge Don Branswella fans. The second thing that you're kind of leading into here is the liability and risk associated with alcohol. And I think oftentimes it's underestimated by the venue, the level of liability that the venue has when alcohol is involved, even if they didn't purchase the alcohol, they didn't serve the alcohol. At what point be clear to you the level of liability that you had when alcohol was present? Having been in the industry for so long, that was never a question in my mind. I knew from the very beginning, but I do see all the time venue owners posting, especially in the forums and the Facebook groups where we're all trying to help each other out, where they're like, oh, we don't really know what to do. Here we go. And they're just following it. And well-versed venue owners who have been there, done that, jump on and be like, no, like you have to make sure because the liability risk is really high. We had an insurance agent come speak to a group of us here in North Texas a couple of years ago. And the way she explained it, I thought was visually a little bit easier to understand for us, how it works in Texas, at least, is that there's the couple who is hosting the event 
there's the bartending company who is actually serving, whether they have a liquor license and did it themselves or if the couple supplied it. And then there's the venue. And there's not a direct route where it goes only to one person if something happens. It's like a layer being peeled off an onion. Everyone is going to be affected and making sure that we are all educated and prepared and just set up to provide the best and avoid and minimize any issues is the most important. So we really focus on that. We do still get surprised bartending companies when we ask them for even their insurance. And then it's almost this educational where I'm just like, I, here's just contact this person, just call them up. And, but it's, it's unfortunate that there are people who are passionate about starting a business, but they haven't taken the time to look into the legality and making sure that not only is their business going to be able to grow and be successful, but that they're taking care of themselves and their clients. And I think that's really, really important, especially when we're dealing with alcohol <laughs> with large groups of people. Yeah. Yeah. Because alcohol is a controlled substance and there is a ton of liability that comes with that. And of all the people who have risk, the venue is the number one person, including the mobile bar, including the host. And I'm also, when I say that, people are oftentimes surprised. But the fact is that if someone's going to sue you, they want compensation. And unless that couple, we know the mobile bar in the company is probably not sitting on massive amounts of wealth. And the couple, maybe not, but the venue has an asset. The venue has land. The venue has, in these real estate days, a million dollars easy sitting there in, in assets, right? And so if their goal is to be compensated for whatever it is they're suing for, they're going to go after the person who has the biggest potential to pay them, which is the venue. To your point, one of the best ways that everyone can help protect each other in these collaborative scenarios, because when we work together, we're partnering in an experience for the client is to ensure that everybody is aligned and everybody is protected and there's a set expectation of how to proceed and succeed. And so for you as a venue, what do you look for in a mobile bar partner? There's a couple of main things. The first is what we consider the basics. So are they insured? Are they licensed? Does everyone on their team have their certification? And that sounds silly, but we still even get couples who are like, my friend is TABC. He's got a license. He's fine. And I'm like, no, there's a huge difference between a $9 course they took online and actually being a business who, who is prepared and insured and knows what they're doing. So that's our basics. If we have those, then we can move forward. If those aren't in place, then there's a pause button hit on the conversation until they're able to get that footing, especially if it's a newer business, and then circle back to us with those items. So once they are insured and they're ready to rock, then usually we like to have a face-to-face -face meeting. And beforehand, we'll send them what our venue rules are for our couples. Ours are very particular. We do not allow shots or straight liquor, basically. In our area, that includes like they can't be poured doubles. They can't have something neat. Guests will be like, that's fine. I just want a splash of water, like literally two drops. And you're like, no, <laughs> that's not how it works. So as a venue, we want to make sure that the bartending company knows our expectations so that they can not only 
follow them and our cup will be covered and everything's set. But so we start our relationship off on a positive, beneficial footing, so to speak. I think it's unfair to expect any bar company to know how to make you happy as a client or a venue if you don't tell them exactly what you expect them to do or not to do. So that's how we start. I actually met with a new bartending company. They're a year old today, this morning. So this is perfect timing. Once we send them that, we like to do face-to-face meetings with our mobile bar companies. So we'll have them come to the venue so they can actually see our space, see where our bar is set up, our outdoor areas, different fun things. Like we, we keep a jockey box and a nice machine on site. So it makes it easy for them. And then we talk about their services, their why, their personality, and what kind of their missions and values are. Because I know mobile bar, yes, of course, you're going to serve drinks. But as a business owner, I know there's much more to their story and their branding than we're going to, here's your beer, like, here you go. And clients may not see that, but we absolutely do. So getting to know their personalities and what makes them excited about events and how we can help support them and make the process easier is what that conversation looks like for us that day. So the company I met with today, they are, they have a trailer, they will come into the building, but they're also looking to do more like outdoor like setups and they want to do like craft cocktail, like all these fun more hands-on, so to speak, to create more of an experience, which is fantastic. And so we got to talk about what that would look like here and what a normal wedding day looks like here versus a weekday corporate event that might want to have a bar set up. And just seeing how the two mesh together is really fun. We think that vendors and businesses are people first and foremost. So getting to know each other is, I think, very important because there's a lot of trust that comes along with liability. There is, there is. And I actually love that you asked them for like their mission, vision, values. We just last week, actually, or this week, Monday, my group program for newbie mobile bar owners, that's what we did. We have them working on identifying their mission, vision, values, which a lot of times new business owners skip But if you don't outline those things, it's really hard for you to communicate who you are, what you do, and who you serve. And I love that you asked those questions. One of the other things I talk about in my programs is how to speak the love language of venue owners, because you're not going to talk to a venue owner the same way you're going to talk to a bride, or even the same way you talk to an event planner, because you have different goals, you have different needs from a mobile bar than an event planner does. What are some of the things that mobile bar owners could say to you or points they could touch on that are essentially your love language? What do you want them to know about you as a venue owner and what's important to you? So the cheat sheet to pulling on our heartstrings. If you can tell us that you understand the importance of loading in and loading out and what that looks like logistically, we're excited because we work a lot behind the scenes. So the last thing we need is to recommend a mobile bar company to a couple and they show up right when the ceremony's starting. They pull up right where the bride's about to walk down the aisle to start unloading everything loudly. And then they are leaving and leaving a mess for the couple at the end of the night. I've had that happen and it's heartbreaking and nobody wants that. So when a bartending company says, we like to know when their ceremony starts, because we're going to be here an hour before we're going to have everything set up. We're going to have our vehicle pulled and parked like good to go. 
will make sure everything's looking beautiful for their day. I'm already happy. I'm like, okay, you actually care about like the guest and the client experience. And so do I. So we're clicking already. And then when they ask about what do you expect us to make sure we take care of before we leave, that tells me that you actually respect our property, which is nice. I honestly don't even know how. We have a back cocktail area and it's wedged between a hill and a fence. And I'm not really sure. I think they went through the flower beds, but they fit their van into the back cocktail hour to just load out the back door. We do have a loading area. We have lots of entry points, so it wasn't necessary. But just knowing that vendors want to take care of our facility, because at the end of the day, that's my service, is making sure there's not mud tire tracks straight through their cocktail ceremony site, that a vendor's not going to back into any of our buildings. Things like that are important to me. So just knowing that they actually care is fantastic. If they, when they come to see me, if they bring me a copy of their COI, I'm already like giddy because I'm like, they have things together. They know what they're doing. They're professionals. Here we go. If they also bring me something to provide to my client, so a rack card with some pricing information, their website, that makes my job a lot easier. And it just takes the relationship naturally to the next step. We don't have this awkward lull of, so do you have information for me? I just feel like you already have your life put together and you're ready to come do an event with us next week if you needed to. So I love all of that. The fastest way to getting onto vendor lists would be to meet and make connections with venue management and owners. So it is very difficult to do that. I feel like sometimes a lot of networking events are throughout, especially in DFW, you're driving an hour to get anywhere. But as a venue rep, it's difficult for us to make those meetings because we have to meet with our couples in our facility. So if they networking lunch in an hour away, and then we're there for an hour and a half, and then we have to drive an hour back most of our day is gone. So we don't get to go to many networking events, which really does limit bartending company, like their opportunity to introduce themselves and say hi to us. So I will say it is extremely rare that I will have a bartending company reach out to me and say, hi, here's who we are. This is what we do. We're insured. We want to talk to you more about who we are. Wait, hold up. I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> interrupt people, but I'm floored right now. I'm absolutely floored. And here's why. Because in our programs, the first thing, my my cold outreach strategy is to make a list of venues in your local, And but I have so many words. Okay, so the Dallas-Fort Worth area where you are, we have a spreadsheet that has 80 mobile bars on it in your area. Okay. 80. There's a lot. There's so yeah. many. And so for you to say it's super, like I'd be, if you're not getting one a week, I'm blown away because there's so many out there. So our cold outreach strategy has us reaching out to venues via email first. Now, most of the time these emails go unanswered. Yo, busy, right? We actually just had a group call right before I hopped on here. And Deanne, one of our chief members who is crushing it, by the way, her goal was $25,000 in sales in the first quarter. She's booked over $100,000 in sales in the first quarter. And she was sharing her strategy, which mirrors our cold outreach strategy. You reach out to the venue with an email, probably going to go unanswered. 
There's a few other steps that we have there. And then she follows up with an in-person visit. She just brings them like rec cards, a little bit of something. She's like, I don't want to bother you. I just want to leave this here. And she's most of the time, people are actually happy to see me and talk to me and sit down. And you're telling me people don't even reach out with an email. No. So I will say in the last year, I think I've had two to introduce, introduce themselves to us. And we have a third one that we just started talking to, but they didn't reach out to us. A planner for a networking event asked if she could connect us so that they could be the business for the networking event. So I actually reached out to them and said, Hey, like, this is what they're doing. They want to use you. Like We've never talked to you before, but we would love to talk to you. And it's unfortunate because I see just like, I'm sure everyone does. I see posts in Facebook groups all the time where people are angry because they're not on a venue's preferred list, especially when it comes to bartending and our area, having a closed list where they only allow one or two companies, it's not ideal. (laughs) And I've already talked about my personal beliefs on supporting small businesses, but at the same time, venues do have to be very particular on the liability side of things. So having a closed list for bartending companies is very common in our area. For us, what that looks like is if you want to get on that list, I need all of your insurance on file, your TABC on file. I need you to sign my vendor rules. So I know you actually read them and I want to meet you. And that's honestly how easy it is to start that relationship with us. That is the simplest dating process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this will be the first time in over a year we've added anybody to that list just because no one has reached out to us. So I just think that a lot of times emails do go unanswered both ways. And that is very frustrating. So I love that you're saying, don't give up, reach back out, go for it. Because you're right. Sometimes they are busy. Other times we'll have people email us outside of our system. So on our website, if you fill out a contact form, my whole team gets that. So if I'm busy or if I'm out of office for the week, then Jenna is going to hop in there and be like, Hey, nice to meet you. She's gone. Let me help. So we see it. And then it's like having a naggy mom where it's like, Hey, you didn't respond to this email four days ago. What's going on with that? Come on now. We do that because we know we get busy. And the last thing we want to do is to miss meeting a new connection. So if you email me directly, there is a chance that it's going to get filtered out. And that's unfortunate. So I would even say if they email directly, maybe hop on their website and see if there's a different pathway. Another thing that always gets our team's attention is social media interactions. If they get on there, yeah, and you emailed us and then we see you're liking and commenting our posts and then you send us a message and you're like, I love your space. I sent an email last week and I'm just so excited to chat more. Can I come by with a coffee? Odds are someone is going to reply and be like, yes, absolutely. Let's do this. So I would encourage everyone to do exactly what you're saying, because unfortunately there are just times where, and I know bartending companies are busy too. Like we've all got clients and we're all trying to do all the things and being a business owner means you not only are wearing multiple hats, but you are going nonstop from the time you wake up to when you lay back down. I just don't think there's enough time in the day, but as a venue owner, if you are able to take a moment to send that five minute email and then follow up on it, it could start a really great relationship for you 
in the venue and for future clients and events. I just, I think people assume they're not going to get responded to. The company I met with today, he said that exact same thing. He was like, I emailed 15 people and you're the only one who's responded back to me so far. Yeah. And that kind of stinks. It does. And it, and it, but it also is, I can see it from the venue standpoint too. Now I had always, the way I teach this is that, look, you're one of 80 mobile bars in the area. The venue's getting hit up all the time. So if they don't respond to you, take that next step to stand out. And the next step in my cold outreach strategy, you validated for me because I say, go and follow them on all their social media platforms and don't just follow them, interact, engage, because the whole purpose of the strategy is not to just get on their preferred vendor list. It's to build a connection and a relationship with them because now you guys are members of the same community. And you get the opportunity to be around each other and know each other, even if you don't work together right now, this is a long game strategy. And you're just trying to be known in your industry. And so I also teach that your primary client are the vendors, the event planners, we call you, I call you amplifiers, because you don't just have one event, you have a hundred events. And so even though every one of your clients may not pick that same mobile bar, there are options there. And every mobile bar is a little different. And so a client is gonna connect and resonate with different bars differently. And so I'm just blown away. That first part where I say they get 80 people emailing them is wrong. <laughs> it's wrong. I've been giving false information. Oh, not at all. The other oh, thing go ahead, go for it. That, I, that I think might change the way that I teach this is that I tell people specifically not to use your contact form on your website because I don't want people annoyed with the mobile bars for entering their lead funnel. Because a lot of times that contact form is going straight into your lead funnel and then your proposal system and nobody wants fake leads. Are you saying that you think it might actually be better to use the contact form? Oh yeah, for us specifically. I will say that we are very, I guess, partnership focused. So we actually put all of our vendors into our same program. We do our clients because our goal is that this relationship works out great and we get to keep working together and we get to help each other grow and support each other both in the venue, but on social media and at networking, all the things. So Mm -hmm. by having our vendors in there, we get to see, oh, we worked with them last month and here it is. And oh, we already have your COI, like see y'all soon, like awesome. And it's all very streamlined. We actually have a vendor kit that we send every vendor that comes to our venue if they give us their email address. (laughs) (laughs) And it has a cute little map and diagram and like FAQs about us. And it's really like a one-stop shop at like behind the scenes, everything you need to know. So that way you don't have to waste your time emailing me back and forth a hundred times. You can just pop this open and be like, oh yeah, they have ice. We're good. Cool. We like it. I'm in love Uh, with you. You are literally (laughs) a dream vendor. I actually have this, this passion project. It's not, I'm not actually taking action on it, but it's called vendor sage. And it literally is a piece of software that vendors can collaborate for information on venues because venues historically, in my experience, are so shitty at providing information on their venue. I don't know where to park. I don't know if you have an ice machine. I don't know what the rules and expectations are. I don't know what your load in load out policies are. And you just basically hand it all to them. You just did all the work that we are usually spending years trying to, I think almost every mobile bar company I know has an internal system where they're like, this is the venue and this is everything we learned about working there. So the next time we don't have to start from scratch. Oh, 
What a dream. I have the rare experience of seeing both sides of it. So I also have a rental business. And so we do the same thing on that end where it is. It's like Excel sheets and every year their rules change or they build something new and you're like, oh no, wait, hang on. (laughs) Things are not like they were before. So it is difficult. And I think that, so where we're located, we're 10 minutes from the biggest embassy suites in North Texas outside of Dallas. And so I'm not, out in the country. So it's not like people aren't reaching out to me because I'm an hour drive from everything. It's just, there's a lot of venues in North Texas right now, which is fantastic because we all have our own style. So I think it's easy to miss some, which is why networking events can be a great resource and using that to meet other connections is fantastic. But I'm not far away. I know of five bartending companies that are within 10 minutes of me and they've never reached out to me. And so I don't know if we don't align on their vision for couples. I have no clue, but I get so excited when a vendor does introduce themselves. And so I wouldn't necessarily change the way you're teaching it because reaching out via email directly is fine. Like a little knock. If they don't reply, yeah, then maybe pop that one in and just be like, I just wanted to introduce myself. Didn't know if that went to spam. Like here I am. It never bothers me when people do that. Now, if you blow me up and you send me three emails in one day, I might be like, sis, we got to talk. Like (laughs) I got things happening, but yeah, reaching out to follow up is never a bad thing. Yeah, no, people don't do it enough. And there's a difference here that I teach. If it's a cold outreach, you weren't invited into their box or into their space. And so we need to have a different level of restraint. We also see this, and you probably see this too on your side, the venue side, where couples reach out and then they ghost you. And oftentimes business owners are like, I don't know, I feel like one follow-up and then I'll just, if they love me, then they'll book me. If they don't, then whatever. And I'm like, no, they got a lot of decisions to make. We got to follow up. They dropped into your inbox. They invited you into their space. We can be a little bit more aggressive how we are following up because they probably just want more information and more time, or maybe they got your quote while they were dropping their kids off to school. Who knows? But yes, if you're a cold outreach, we definitely want to practice a little bit more restraint in how we are approaching people. Tell me about a time that a mobile bar absolutely dazzled you and what it was that they did. Okay. I'm glad you asked this because I was literally just thinking about this. So there's a particular company, the first time they introduced themselves, they reached out and they not only introduced themselves, but said, we would love the opportunity to come and join you for lunch or dinner and your team and have a cute little like mocktail class as we get to know each other more. So they didn't just want to meet us, but they wanted to make it fun. And my team just ate it up. They were like, yeah, let's do this. This is cool. And they did. They came and they did a little mocktail, like almost like a flight. And it was like, here's this, that, and the other. And here's something you need to know about chilling beverages. So my team learned something. They had fun and they didn't stop talking about it. Not only did they not stop talking about it and started referring them to our couples, but then they started telling all of our couples, you should ask them to do it for your bridal shower or for your bachelorette party. It's so fun. And so they actually started offering another service just to meet and get inquiries on couples just because my team just kept telling everybody about them. And then every time they come, they'll even text. Now they have our venue manager's number and they'll be like, Hey, do you want me to bring you like a wrap 44 Coke zero? 
Like they, they figured out what her drink was. They have it on file somehow. And they're like, Hey, so excited to see you tomorrow. I'm bringing you a Coke syrup. Are you going to be working? And so just making this like friend level commitment is great because a lot of times what I hear, we have a networking group that's just venue owners in North Texas and we meet once a quarter and it's very helpful for ourselves. Bar is a big topic because of the liability but also because guests and clients get really weird with the bar <laughs> during the night. And so one of the things we were talking about is venue owners in general, I think are tired, especially over the last couple of years. They're tired of people pushing their roles and asking them, why do we have to do that? Why can't we do what we want? Why do we have to have insurance? They're exhausted. And so the thought of starting over in a new relationship with a new company sounds exhausting because of the ones who didn't have things all put together and ready to start on a legal standpoint of their business. I can absolutely understand why mobile bars might feel exhausted or like I'm trying, but they're not letting me in. And so I would just say, keep in mind that they were probably burned by somebody and they're just, they're tired. And so Think of a way that matches your personality and your branding to give them a different experience. Everybody says, we're a bar company. We want your business. Here's my hourly rate. But I think some venues, especially the small owned venues are so tired that if you make them feel special and that you also want to help their business grow and thrive, they're going to eat that up and love it. So whether it's, Hey, we love doing craft cocktails. We'd love to make you mocktails for lunch one day and introduce ourselves. Or if it's, we want to be part of a style shoot you have coming up so we can really get to know you and work with you in a non-stressful environment, whatever it looks like, just, I would encourage you to get creative and show the fun side of your business, because that's going to make you stand out from all these other companies as well. Oh my gosh, I love this advice. First of all, kudos to that mobile bar company because that is probably one of the best things that I've heard. And they really embrace the purpose here of the cold outreach program is that we're building a network. We're not selling. That's not the point. You don't want to just drop into somebody's email and be like, can I add me to your preferred vendor list? You don't them. They don't know you. Like, why would you just be like, sure, let me add you to my preferred vendor list because I don't have anyone else that's on it or whatever that looks like. You're building a connection, a reputation, remembering the favorite drink. That's part of what I call a maintenance program. There's two important aspects, but there's actually three, but the first two of a good strategy is to be known. So they need to know who you are, but then be remembered because people especially after COVID, we didn't know who was still around, who was still a business, who had folded or moved on or sold their business. And so it was very easy to just feel like we're starting from scratch. And now we need to figure out who's still around. If you can be proactive in staying for in the forefront of people's minds, it makes your life so much easier being remembered and, and remembering these are relationships and we want to continue to nurture those just as much as we're posting on Instagram, if not more, right? The relationships are going to be more valuable than even just having follower count on social media. Okay. So we got your dazzled story. Now share with us a nightmare story. Oy vey. There's a lot of bar nightmare scenario. <laughs> Honestly, I think in general, the worst case scenario for a venue is 
They allow you to come in their doors, whether that was an easy process because they haven't set strict rules yet, or if it was difficult and you earned that and you've been building this relationship. If you finally get there and you are disrespectful of the rules and the policies that are in place in the venue team, I think that's just the worst case situation. We have had bartending companies who come in and we'll be gently reminded, hey, you can't pour shots here. I don't know if your boss told you, but that's a big no-no here. We'll get in huge trouble. The security officer will shut things down for the day. Let's not do that. And then you continue to do it. That's absolutely awful because now you've put us in this situation where we have to tell the couple that they need to intervene because they ultimately hired you and they need to make sure you're following the rules or else their bar is going to be shut down or the security officer can shut things down completely. And we don't want either one of those things to happen. We have had situations where bartenders are drinking heavily as they're serving and they're not doing it out in the open, but they're just sneaking away. And then we'll have either a team member will catch them. We've had a mother of a groom before come up to us and be like, I just went out to my car and the bartender's out there drinking out of one of our bottles of whiskey. What do we do? <laughs> and so we've had the craziest things. And so I just think it's very important to be professional and to make sure that you're not only being respectful to the guests, but also to the venue and their team. Because ultimately, like I'm not at every event. I just don't have enough hours in my day. So I do rely on what my team and what the couple communicates about everything that happened. So if they are sending me emails and my teams, this was a nightmare, Amanda, they were drinking outside. They weren't following the rules. They were handing out just bottles of liquor to everyone, which has also happened before. That's not good at all. We did have one situation where they were heavily drinking. They were an hour late. They were drinking during the night and we didn't know it till the end. And then afterwards they were texting the bride and our venue line on the group chat. And it was not making any sense at all. But then they started sending harassing messages to both the bride and the venue because neither one of us were following them back and liking their stories on social media. It got very escalated very quickly. I just would really recommend that if you're sending someone to represent your business to a venue, that you make sure that they know what you expect of them and what that venue's rules are. So your sheet of here's the venue, here's how to like load in, load out, they have ice, they don't, is extremely helpful. They should absolutely utilize it. And I know it takes lots of time on the back end to build that and to figure it out as you go, but I would definitely recommend you do. And if you do have a newer team member, even if they tell you they have lots of bar experience, please don't send them solo to an event. And we get that a lot. And then they'll tell us like, yeah, I've only done this once before and I know how to open beer bottles. And then our team is, they're having, they're having a full bar back here and you don't know how to serve any of it. And they're like, no, do I chill red wine? What do I do with this? And we're like, oh no. So I know that sometimes you hire people and they're not always forthcoming with their experience. So if you are trusting someone to represent your business, 
please don't send them solo their first time. So you can make sure that they're prepared, but that your business name is upholding to its standards. That particular scenario where the bartender didn't know what they were doing, the owner we've known for years. And so we were like, Hey, this is what happened. And of course he was mortified. And he was like, they told me like they were referred from someone else. They told me they had experience. I'm so sorry. Like, what can I do? So that relationship was good, but it's because he had spent the time to get to know us and we knew him. If that had been a new bartending company, they wouldn't be referred to another couple because we wouldn't know that's a gamble. And not just for liability reasons, but when we recommend a vendor to our couple, there's a certain level of expectations they have that we've already vetted these people and that they're going to get a great service. And when they don't, they're mad at us. They're not happy with the service, but they're also mad that we recommended them in the first place. So it's this very tricky line, but yeah, don't drink on the job, please. (laughs) What a glorious list of suggestions that I highly recommend everybody take notes and make sure that they implement each and every one of these things. Because one of the things that I share with people is that oftentimes venues the guests of venues don't know the difference. And I'm not talking about the client because the client knows that you recommended this person and then they hired. But then there's 150 other guests and they assume the bar is the venue and the venue is the bar and it is one entity. And if you can't demonstrate the ability to protect the venue's reputation when you are on site, then you are compromising not only your own business, but that of the venue. And so we need to make sure as mobile bar owners that we are being good stewards of the venue's reputation as well as our own. And if you can do that, you will be best friends because it is very important that we see guests more than any other vendor. The caterer, the photographer, the guests are visiting us five, six, 10 times a night, right? Like we are the most visible extension of a venue. And if we can't be good stewards of that relationship, then we compromise both businesses. Absolutely. And unfortunately, I think it's situations that are occurring from people who don't see that value and try to do that is why, at least in our area, more venues are not as open and willing to speak with new companies, which is understandable, but also unfortunate for those that do provide an amazing service and do deserve the opportunity to prove that. So you're not just hurting yourself, but you're hurting other businesses in your industry. And so that's just a bummer because you live and you learn and that's where rules come from. Yes. Oh my gosh. There's been so much value in this episode. I think this will be an amazing one for our community, potentially even for venue community. For anyone who's listening, if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, please take all of her suggestions and maybe even drop her an email, an introduction email, offer to do the bar at her open house, come and give cocktails to her staff. And also make sure to go and follow her podcast, Behind the Party. She shares a massive additional wealth of information about events from behind the scenes. And you'll learn a lot from her. Amanda, it has been such a pleasure and an honor to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. I loved every minute of it and getting to speak with you and learning more about the bar side, I think is super beneficial. And I can't wait to go share it with all my venue friends. Yay. Awesome. And that wraps up today's episode. I hope it was valuable. I would love to hear from you what you thought. 
You can drop me a line at hello at mobilebevpros.com or find me on Instagram at mobilebevpros. If you're looking for more valuable mobile bar related content, we have a website full of it. You can find us at www.mobilebevpros.com. And I'd love to see you in our Facebook community, also by the name of, you guessed it, Mobile Bev Pros. Thank you for joining me today. And until next time, cheers.